God loves you. He really loves you. And he wanted to reveal himself so we could know him. And together we could help the world. And so that is why we have the Bible. The Bible is his word to us. But so many people don't understand it. Or they've just been told the wrong things about it. So many things affect the way we interpret the Bible, look at the Bible, or think about the Bible. And you know what? Too often we become bored with the Bible. So this is a podcast to hopefully refresh our relationship with the Bible and in turn refresh our relationship with God. My name's Ken and I'm your guide on this refresh journey. And my prayer and hope is that it would be a fruitful one for both you and me. So welcome to my podcast. Let's dive in. We are cooking and booking Matthew 11 today. Once again in the English Standard Version, ESV. And let's just start reading. I don't want to, I don't feel like giving no intro today. You've been hearing it too much if you've been listening back to back. So here we go. Verse 1, chapter 11. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. So chapter 10 was all about this message Jesus was giving to prepare his disciples for the future to come. And it was a sweet kind of intimate deal that was kind of harsh, but yet very caring. And so that's what that's what we're, Matthew's talking about. He's like, he finished instructing his disciples, and then what does he do? He goes to the cities, and he starts preaching. Verse 2, now when John, this is John the Baptist, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So John the Baptist is in prison for basically telling the religious telling the, the leader that he you know shouldn't get a divorce and marry someone else and all that stuff anyways he um he's kind of bringing morality to the uh the local magistrate and you know the wife or the the mistress and I'm screwing this whole thing up anyways John the Baptist gets thrown in, in prison for bring trying to bring morality to the magistrate and crossing the women and as he's in prison, he's hearing all this news about Jesus. And even though John is preparing the way of Jesus, even though John baptized Jesus and saw all this stuff, he's in prison and he's just kind of wanting confirmation. He's kind of wondering, is this really the gig? Is my cousin really the Messiah? Because John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. Verse 4, And Jesus answered them, John the Baptist's disciples, who John the Baptist sent to ask Jesus this. He says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So Jesus basically says, Go tell him what you're seeing, this authority that I'm showing over everything, including death. But he also talks about the, the good news to the poor. And he's referencing Isaiah. The, the passages in Isaiah that talk about the Messiah. And he basically is telling the disciples of John the Baptist who would recognize that he's quoting Messiah, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah, the prophet, about the Messiah, to go back to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist will also recognize that he's quoting Isaiah. And so basically it's his way of saying, yes, I am the one. You're not waiting for anyone else. And he says, you know, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. In other words, why are you doubting me 
you're blessed if you just, you know, not worry about me so much in the negative and just embrace the fact that I have come. Verse 7, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John the Baptist. So here he just sent a message back to John, which has John on his mind. So he begins to talk to the crowd about John. Jesus says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Okay, so Jesus is teaching about John. He's like, why did you go in the desert? It wasn't to see this. It wasn't to see that. It wasn't to see a guy in soft clothing. Because remember, John the Baptist is wearing sackcloth. He's wearing like, you know, rough clothing. And he's a prophet. And he's saying, you went out to see someone who was preparing the way for me. That's who you went to see. And then he said, and John the Baptist is the greatest. Right? He's saying, among the born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. So he's saying, born of women, as far as a human goes, no one's greater than John the Baptist. But he says, but everyone in the kingdom will be greater than him. So those born of spirit in the kingdom will be greater than the man, John the Baptist. So he's making a distinction between those who are physically alive and John being the best and those who are spiritually alive all being better than a spiritually dead best human if that makes sense so verse 12 he says from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So Jesus is saying, look, since John came, because remember, John came right before Jesus. So since John came, there's been violence in the kingdom. All right, what is he talking about? He's talking about this. The... The earth was separate from God because of the sin of man and the separation of God. It couldn't be in the presence of God without being destroyed before removing the sin. As a result, Satan was Satan and all the demons, the fallen angels, were cast out of heaven onto the earth. So what you have on earth is you have Satan and demons, and you have fallen people separated from God. Up to this point, that was being undisturbed. So, Satan was having his way, the demons were having their way, and it was being undisturbed. All of a sudden, John comes, he starts preaching the kingdom. Jesus comes, and he starts casting out demons left and right. So, he is disrupting what has been kind of at peace amongst itself. He's coming in, and he's violently 
curing people. He's violently telling demons to leave. He's separating the demons out from the humans. He's separating out the death. And he's doing this in a, in a strong way. And all of a sudden, what was a one-sided place, all of a sudden has two kingdoms at war with each other. And that's what he's talking about with the, with the violence and it, and it being violently disturbed. Then he, then he says, you know, John the Baptist is, if you want to believe it, Elijah to come. Now, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet who was a great, great prophet. He's one of the, he's one of the main guys. He's one of the main dudes who did some amazing things. Well, he never died. He was taken up into heaven in a fiery ch- uh, chariot. So he rode this chariot up into the sky and away he went. So he actually didn't physically die. And there was a lot of people who believed that Elijah was going to return and that's when the Messiah would be ushered in. And in fact, to this day, um, at Passover Seder, so when Jews around the world celebrate the Passover meal, which is kind of their the biggest religious holiday and the, the, pen, the penultimate moment of the Passover holiday or season is the main Passover Seder meal, which is the meal they have around Passover. And at this meal, traditionally what you do is you leave an empty chair at the table. And that empty chair is for Elijah in case he returns. And so Jews were waiting for the return of Elijah. And many thought that would be the Messiah. Um, And Jesus is saying, Elijah has returned and he's prepared the way for the Messiah. Then he says, now, now listen, look at, look at this generation. Look at these people. Look at my people, the Jews. Look at them. Look what they're doing. They looked at John the Baptist and they condemned him for being, you know, a prophet who had nothing. They condemned him for being too extreme out in the desert. Right? And they say, he's, he's eating bugs. He's out in the desert. He has a demon. So they're, they're condemning him and dismissing him for, you know, fasting and, and being harsh. And then Jesus comes and he's not fasting and he's eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors. And they say, well, look at him. He's not of God. He has too much going on. And so they're saying, it doesn't matter what it is. If you play a flute, you won't dance. In other words, I came to bring in the kingdom. We're celebrating. You won't celebrate. If I pay a dirge, meaning like a mourning song, you won't mourn. So you didn't mourn with John. You don't celebrate with me. You don't do either is what he's saying. All right. Verse 20. Then he began, Jesus, to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. So now he's going back to the cities. Because remember, in the beginning of chapter 11, it says he went to go preach in these cities. And now he's, now he's going back and he's talking about <coughs> excuse me, these cities that he did these great works in. And he's going to pronounce judgment on them. So verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazon! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? Will you be brought down to Hades? For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. There's that reference to Sodom and Gomorrah again. And he's saying, if you had repented... You know, if Sodom had, had heard what you heard or seen what you've seen, they would have repented and they wouldn't have been judged and destroyed. It would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So Tyre and Sidon and Sodom were all nations that were judged in the past and destroyed that 
the Jewish audience would have absolutely known exactly what Jesus was talking about. And the readers of the original Matthew, who were Jews, would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. And he's using these modern cities and comparing to these ancient cities that were judged by God. And he's saying, if these cities that were destroyed by God because they didn't repent, if they had seen what you had seen, if they'd seen the miracles I did, if they had heard me preach the gospel, they would have repented. So it's going to be worse for you than it was for them. So Jesus is kind of doing some old school prophet stuff here and saying, woe to you, you know, you're, you're, you've seen these things and you haven't repented. And the reason a prophet, in this case Jesus is playing the role of a prophet, would do such a thing is he's trying to call them to repentance. He's trying to give them another chance. All right, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus begins a prayer, an outwardly prayer, and he's thanking God that the wise, the religious leaders, the people that were haughty and full of themselves, who studied the scriptures and were so smart, he's saying the truth has been hidden from them and you've made it clear to the innocent children. And he's saying, and Jesus is saying, thank you for that. And then Jesus is saying, look, no one knows you but me. And those who I reveal you to. So he's talking about the fact that, once again, he says he's come to reveal the Father. He's come to make the Father known to us. He's come to reconcile us to the Father. And he says, once again, in a different way, that the only way to be reconciled to the Father or to know the Father, to know God, is through Jesus. All right, so, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So he's praying to God, and then he turns to the crowd, and he says, come to me. If you're worn out, if you're beat up, come to me, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. A lot of people talk about this yoke as being what they put on top of the oxen to work and it was, you know, to keep them on a straight path. Um, Rabbis at that time, what they taught, their teachings, their ways, how to become like them, that was also their, was known as a yoke, as something to put over the disciples to guide them. And Jesus is saying, take my teaching, take my way, right? Take my life upon you, live my life. And learn from me. And he's saying, listen, I'm not harsh. I'm not going to make you jump through all these hoops. I'm gentle. Right? And he says, I want you to find rest. So you, so, so, do what I'm telling you. Not to be great. Not to be proven. I'm not giving you a yoke that makes you... Because that's normally what rabbis would do. It was like, here's my yoke. And if you can do this, then you've been proven worthy to be my disciple. And you're, you're worthy. And so... A lot of yokes were set up to cause failure. It was kind of a filter. And Jesus is saying, I'm not that type of rabbi. I'm not trying to make you fail. I'm not trying to make you work. I'm trying to give you rest for your soul. 
And he says, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In other words, I'm not trying to burden you. I'm not teaching you these things and giving you this way of life so that you will be stressed out or so that you will be constantly spinning your wheels. I'm doing it to give you life and rest. And so it's a beautiful ending to chapter 11. Right? So he, there's a lot of weird, disconnected almost things here. He's talking, John the Baptist comes out and he says, are you the one? And Jesus says, I'm the one basically. And then he teaches about John the Baptist and he compares like earthly human life to spiritual life. And then he talks about the kingdom being violent and some interesting language there. And then he, then he, then he goes into old prophet mode and he says, woe to you, to these new cities who didn't repent if, after seeing these things. And then after doing that judgment, he moves into his loving Messiah role and he says, listen, I'm a good rabbi and I don't want you to fail. I want you to have life. I want you to have rest. And he says, come to me, you who are heavy, you who are burdened, you who are worn out, you who are tired, you who are done, you who feel like a failure, you who feel like you're in shame. He says, come to me and I will relieve that. I will give you rest. I will give you life. It's a beautiful promise. And it's a promise that not only we need to run into, but one that we need to share with all those around us who we see carrying a burden that is too heavy for them. They're trying to live up to other expectations. They're trying to get approval from the world. They're trying to get approval um, from their family. They're trying to get approval from whatever it is. And Jesus says, that's how the other rabbis work. But with me, you already have approval. You already are chosen. You are already good enough. So forget following those other rabbis. Forget following those other expectations. Come to me and be free. That's chapter 11. It was kind of quick. It was short, but it was good. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with chapter 12. Thanks for listening. And hopefully you're enjoying this Jesus journey.